You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about how to get very specific book recommendations. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I thought I'd talk about my morning book. I have a book. I usually have some sort of nonfiction or some kind of book I read in the mornings. Basically, like, either right when I get up or when I get home from the gym and I'm eating breakfast or just, like, the, like, thing I read first thing to kind of jumpstart my brain. And I only read, like, a page or two at a time, so it takes me forever Mm -hmm. to get through them. Sometimes it's a comic. I'll do comics, too, in the morning. It's not right now. Right now it's this book that I've been reading on and off for a couple of months. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh House of Psychotic Women, an autobiographical topography of female neurosis in horror and exploitation films by Kayla Janice. Uh, Kayla spells her name K-I-E-R-L-A, just in case you're looking this book up. Um, We actually both know her. Yes, I did an Uh, event with her, which was awesome. Weirdly, I was having breakfast the other morning talking about this book with a bunch of people, and then she was like, I wrote that book. And I was like, what? I, like, I didn't realize it for so long. That's so funny. I, I don't know why I didn't put it. I mean, I think because her name is spelled differently, so yeah. I assumed it was pronounced differently. Anyway, it's a fantastic book. Um, it's been recommended to me by several filmmakers. Um, but essentially what it is is she takes her life and then talks about um, horror and exploitation films alongside these events in her life. So, like, she had a very, uh, you know, difficult teenage years and before, but she goes and lives in like a group home situation. And then she talks about the movies that sort of deal with female relationships Mm -hmm. or um, what is like movies that deal with Stockholm syndrome or things like that. And it's like a very academic look at these uh, movies, most of which I have not seen a lot of which I haven't heard of. They're a lot of, they're all very obscure, Mm -hmm. like revenge movies, horror movies Mm -hmm. and how it sort of like affected her life and how you can see the parallels for, of her life in these movies. It is a really fascinating read. It is, it's very dense. Um, but if you are looking to learn more about horror and explo- exploitation uh, movies, I don't know if there is a better book. Probably I feel not. like this is like the the book you read. Um, I literally read it every, I read it in the morning and I'll read like about one movie. Like one movie and what was happening in her life and then I kind of like put it away or whatever. It's a fascinating read. Um, it's it's She's very brave and talks about all the things that happened in her life and they're really interesting as well. So it's like this weird mishmash of, uh, I've never seen another book like this. So it's, 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 a, it's a really, yeah, interesting book. What are you reading, Mallory? I am also reading a very interesting book. It's very weird. This, I, I picked this book for this episode because we're talking about very specific book recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is obviously very specific. Uh, it's probably it's specifically for people who like Shirley Jackson. It's called Shirley by Susan Scarf Merrill. And we were talking about it right before we started recording. It's sort of like Shirley Jackson fan fiction. Yeah. It's like a novelization of Shirley Jackson no, about of Shirley Jackson's life, but not um, the in the plot of the story is that uh, this young woman, she's 19 years old. She just got married and her husband is a professor and it's in the 1950s. Uh, and if you don't know, Shirley Jackson's husband was a professor mm-hmm. at uh, this girl's college in Bennington, Vermont. And so um, in the, in the book, the main character is a fan of Shirley Jackson has read her books and her husband goes to work for 
Shirley Jackson's husband, Stanley. So they move in with the Jackson family in like one of their back bedrooms. And it's about her life, like this period of time where she lived with Shirley Jackson. And as far as I can tell, like I am a huge Shirley Jackson fan. I've read a lot about her. I know a lot of biographical biographical details all of that is correct but obviously none of this ever happened right 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 yeah there was a couple that moved in with them you're saying no i think there was i can't remember i i don't know of the of the i, I know some, i read a people- recent shirley jackson biography for something i was working on and i and- it was did you read a rather haunted life mm-hmm. yeah I, and don't- I think there is a couple maybe that moves in with them. but it's it's very it's and it's very like it's it's definitely a thriller because right off the bat you're like oh something is oh, interesting s- spooky is happening, um, but it's so I was saying it's I love it uh, because I'm obsessed with Shirley Jackson but I don't know if someone who didn't like Shirley Jackson would like it because it's so like a lot of the book assumes you know stuff about Shirley Jackson right 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 interesting uh, it's a very fascinating book and I wanted to read it because you know I'm very excited about that Shirley Jackson movie that's coming out with yeah, Elizabeth yeah, yeah. Moss. I didn't. I thought that was a biopic. It's not. It's a adaptation of this novel. So it's from the point of view of of the woman whose husband is working. Yes, for Shirley Jackson's husband. Yes, yeah. it's very interesting, and it's nice. Like I'm getting the same things out of it that a lot of people who read fan, fan fiction get out of fan fiction. In the way that I'm like, oh, this is just great. I'm like back in the world of Shirley Jackson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like literally just like other people, but also she's there. Yeah, that's interesting. It's very interesting. So. That is Shirley by Susan Scarf Merrill. And mine is House of Psychotic Women by Kayla Janine. So we want to take a moment to share some listener wheelhouses. Lizzie wrote in with uh, AI with human foibles, security bot with anxiety, lonely ship AI. I also have that. I love, I love, I love like a, like a bot or, or like an ancient creature thrown into like human situations. That's very cute. Yes. Uh, Magic woman with no time for your shit. Historical romances with really fancy heroes and heroines who know how to deal with bullshit but are over it and probably have an eccentric aunt living with them. <laughs> Great. So specific. Space horror and dark comedies. And Tara Roden, also with their wheelhouse, um, stories told exclusively through or driven by letters, diary entries, etc. I also like that. That's also just like a nice way to break up reading. Yeah. I feel like when you get a like one that's just told through diary entries or something, it's, it's, just like it's very, almost like short stories. Yeah, yeah. It's a more, bit. Or maybe it's more episodic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like a different style of writing, you know? Yeah. Novels that feel like connected short stories exploring characters beyond the main characters in depth. This person definitely likes episodic storytelling. Yeah, very true. Uh, books set in or around bookstores or libraries. Books with twists that wouldn't be there if you were seeing the story instead of reading it. Often involves a person not knowing that two different people in the story are actually the same person. Oh, yeah, I like that, too. I always like that, and then I read, and then I'm like, ooh, would this ever make a movie? No, because you can't, because it's, like, the same person, and you never know. <laughs> well, I mean, there was... The the Prestige. That's true. That's true. Was that a book first? Yeah, actually, by Christopher Priest. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, I, actually, I think it's a short story. Um, and Terry's last one is YA Fantasy or Dystopian Series. You can email us your wheelhouses at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Quick bookmark for folks to get ready. Next week, it begins the Maximum Fun Drive. Woo! We're really excited about it. It begins on... Monday, this uh, March sixteenth, uh, our episode will be our first fun drive episode. We will be dropping a few days later. Uh, we have a really fun episode coming up next week. We're so excited. There's a lot of great stuff happening. Um, it's a great way for folks to support the show and to get awesome gifts and to 
try to get the cool goals that we're going to do. There's some hot shantent coming up. Mm-hmm. I might have to read the Bible. We, Bria and I might get drunk and read erotica. Erotica together. There's all sorts of things. And we'll be doing more posting and Instagramming yes. and talking. And we'll try to update you every... Uh, every, well, we'll update you about how, how well we're doing on those goals. Yes. So if you're like, I don't know, they only need one more person for drunk and erotica, then you can you can be that one person who upgrades or uh, joins Maximum Fun. Hell yeah. So before we talk about getting specific book recommendations, we're going to take a quick break. This is your captain with an update from the flight deck. We'll be reaching Max Fun Drive on March 16th. That's right on time. As a reminder, Max Fun Drive runs for just two weeks, and it's the best time of year to support the podcasts you love. If you look towards the front, you'll see your favorite hosts with special bonus content and lovely thank you gifts for a new and upgrading monthly member. Now, sit back, relax, and catch up on your favorite Max Fun shows now so you can listen to the new episodes releasing March 16th. And thanks again for choosing Maximum Fun. This week, it's all about book recommendations. Very, very specific ones. We get a lot of fan mail about how to find books that fit very particular categories. You know, like weird fiction, space opera, westerns with female protagonists, literary fiction about older characters. Sometimes you want an incredibly specific type of book. But how do you find it? Mm-hmm. Bria, is there a particular genre that you're always trying to find that isn't like, you know, it's sort of like in a gray area? Well, obviously, I like sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But I... I specifically like one-offs, which is harder in sci-fi. People love a series. I love a one-off. I don't want to, I don't like commitment. I don't want to commit to this. That is something that is, it's not, I I wonder if we should make something that it's, because it's a wheelhouse, but it's not a subject or trope. Something that we, something that's kind of a different, you know, if a wheelhouse, because it's just like. Like a fear of commitment? Well, because we both like standalone books. Yes, standalones. I don't know if that counts as a wheelhouse, but. I understand why people are writing more because they like, and, and why people want more. They love these characters. But there is part of me that I'm like, ooh, but if I commit to that, then I'm going to have to read the next four. And like, you know, that always is scary. Or what if it's a George R. R. Martin situation where you have to Ugh. wait 15 years before the next too, book comes that's, out? No, thank you. Too wild. Um, <laughs> but I like a one-off and I like a world change, like a pandemic but it only affects, like, mice. Or, you know, something yes. real specific like that. You know what I mean? I like small changes with big consequences or big changes where we just focus on, like, one person and how it affects them. And those kinds of books can sometimes be sci-fi or horror or literary fiction. Yeah, totally. And it's, and it's yeah, it's, like, cross-genre stuff that mm-hmm. ne- isn't necessarily... It's hard to... There's, there's no search bar for that. Yes. Where I'm, like, one-off world change in a single, single book. <laughs> um, I also love... Genre bending. I love if you like put pirates in space or, you know what I mean? Like, like Charlie like, Jane Anders kind of. Yeah, yeah. Things that like, like definitely are not necessarily one specific genre. And I also like things that are so, sort of socially aware, you know, mm-hmm. like that they're aware of what they're doing and they're also trying to say something bigger with the message that they're talking about. So like yeah. when I'm talking, explaining the book, I'm like, it's about this, but really it's about the loneliness of the human condition yeah. or whatever. You know, like I like the- You uh, like a metaphor. I like a metaphor and I like a strong metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are like the real specific weird things that are not Googleable. Yes. Because I also am like stuff in space. I can Google that. Like I yeah, can be space like- books. 
space books or I'm like, uh, you know, apocalyptic books. Like these are all easy. Dystopian. I can mm-hmm. like find these really easily. But those are like the weirdo ones. What about you? Uh, mine is weird fiction for sure. Uh, and there is a lot of genres that are sort of in between like weird fiction. Some, some of them are in horror, um, you know, but not all libraries have a horror section. Not all bookstores have a, a bookstore have a horror section. Um, you know, horror can be in literary fiction, sci-fi, fantasy, thriller, and w- weird fiction is sort of the same way. Although most weird fiction I do find ends up in the literary fiction area. It seems like that is the case. And maybe, because it is a little bit of a non-genre. Yeah, because it's not. And it's also most weird fiction isn't trying to scare you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just fucking just weird. Just being weird. <laughs> just wearing the weirdness on their sleeve. But it's still tough to find, especially since the things that make something weird fiction are a little bit nebulous. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a genre that's easily defined. Mm-hmm. You know, it's normally something weird is either it's like a character who has like, you know, spaghetti for hands <laughs> or like, ah. you know, something's weird in the world. Like every time you sneeze, you turn a different color. Like, yeah, you know, Which I like all, I like that kind of stuff too. Yeah. yeah. Where it's just, and also I feel like weird fiction, it's not even about that. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, that's important, but also this person's going through a breakup. Like, like it's like, there's yes. like the weird thing about like weird fiction yes. is that it's really about like this person is dealing with a divorce, but also when they sneeze, I turn a color. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's like weird fiction can, it's just like your, what you're looking for. And that sometimes it's a little horror or sci-fi or fantasy or magical realism. Mm -hmm. It can like cross into a a different genres, but really most of the time it's about the character. So it stays in literary fiction, but like, how am I going to find, like, how do you find that? Yeah. So how do you find (laughs) that? Uh, the way that uh, my my hack, my favorite hack for this is um, following particular literary imprints and editors. And this is like deep in the weeds, publishing nerd shit. Um, so I find books that I love in the genre that I'm looking for. So weird fiction. And I find out what imprint puts it out or who edited it. Like I know um, FSG is a big, puts out a lot of weird fiction. So whenever I see the little FSG, I'm like in a bookstore and I'm browsing in the literary fiction section and I see FSG in a book, I'll pick it up. Mm-hmm. And like half of the time it'll be, you know, sometimes they have thrillers and sometimes just like more straight literary fiction but a lot of the time it'll be something weird so just look right on the spine of the book uh and remember so an imprint is a smaller arm of a big publisher like penguin random house that usually usually publishes a specific type of book because it's headed up by an editor and that editor has their own tastes uh or you can find a micro press or a small press that does what you're looking for um there's a lot of small like um Grey Wolf Press puts out mm-hmm. a, puts out Karma Maria Machado, so that's a lot of like socially conscious feminist stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's that that's my thing is like pay, pay, it's like um with movies, you know, like if you get a movie by a, a production company A twenty four, you know, it's probably going to be kind of scary or kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, and I think this it's helpful to just go. What did you read that you were like, I can't quit talking about this book or thinking about this book? Who put it out? Because yes. that is going to make a difference. And I think you're right looking at editors too. Look like what they're working on. Yeah, like Paul- Follow them on Twitter. They're talking about that shit. So Paul, our friend Paul Tremblay, his editor is the same editor as Joe Hill. Mm-hmm, hmm and, makes sense to me. And I, I, there's a friend of mine who, it's not been announced yet, so I can't say who, which friend of mine it is, but he just sold a book to that same editor and he, he's the same way. It's like sort of, it's horror, very modern horror. Yeah. So these uh, editors are going to follow along. It's going to be about their taste also. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's a great way. Like, um, Miriam Weinberg is an editor over at Tor and she puts out Sarah Gailey's books. She puts out, um, uh, V.E. Schwab's books. So mm-hmm. like modern fantasy, um, 
But the, again, that's some next level publishing stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me. So tour is obviously a big one for me where I go and find what they're doing. And I yes. pretty much, if they put out a book, I'm going to give it a shot because I'm like, I'm interested in what they are doing. And they do a lot, especially tour.com does a lot of socially conscious mm-hmm. sci-fi fantasy stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so I know that's going to be in that category. I also know certain authors are just going to be exploring subjects I'm interested in. Yeah. Yeah, I read the most recent Charles Yu book, which I talked about on the mm-hmm. show, Interior Chinatown, which is not a sci-fi book. Uh, his first book, his last book that I read was a sci-fi book that I really enjoyed. Um, but this one, but they were both about these bigger subjects. It was exactly what I wanted. It was mm-hmm. about uh, racism and it was about loneliness and it was about the immigrant experience. And like, that was what I was looking for. That's what I liked about his work is that it was his works were about not just something. It, it was something that I felt like I could relate to and uh, think about on a bigger picture, just like his science fiction book. Yeah. So following these authors and seeing what they're do next, doing next, if you liked their last book, you're probably going to like their next book. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, even if it is in a different subject, like uh, I just saw you and Sarah Gailey speak and Sarah was talking about how their next book is a, a YA book, which was, it's their Sarah's first. never done. Uh, right. And I was like, but if you like Sarah Gailey books, you're going to like this YA book, right? I mean, and I for read sure. It, but I feel like you feel like I will. I have read it when we were magic. It's incredible in it, but it's the same sort of thing as Magic for Liars, where it's um it's a fantasy book, but the fantasy takes a the magic system takes a backseat to all the characters. Right. So if that's something that you're into, even though it's for for a different audience and it's very, very different, it's this that same kind of Sarah Gailey flavor. It's an it's so good. And they're gonna have the same use of language and things yeah. that draw drew you in. You know, like so especially we were gonna talk about reading pathways. If language is yours, like that you should just read the same author. Like you're going to yeah. have a similar language uh pathway in in all of their writing. Yeah. And also never underestimate the power of a librarian or a bookseller. Yeah. They're very skilled at giving out specific book recommendations and they'll be happy to point you in the right direction. Never be afraid. Like if you are buying a book um, and, you know, let, let's sit like my one of my favorite weird fiction authors is Kelly Link because she's very cross genre, um, writes really weird stuff, but it's always amazing. Like I'd be, I if she came out with a new book, I know she's working on a novel. I would when buying it, go to the bookseller like, hey what other authors do you know that are like this? Mm -hmm, I mean, they are mm -hmm. professionals and they are happy to talk to you about books. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's literally their job. (laughs) (laughs) What a dream. Yeah. And and like I just said, the reading pathways, like this is a, this is an important thing to to think about. Um, Know what you like in a book. What was your reading pathway? It was plot. Plot. And 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 yours was setting. And mine is setting. Mm -hmm. And so, when you think about reading pathways and like what's drawing you in, that's the thing that is getting, that's why I'm like, it's a weird world, but it is like, like totally not, not, it's, it's, it's weird, but it's not that weird or it's a weird world, but I want to know about the story within it, but I do care about what the setting is. So I think that's going to affect yeah. like, no, I think, no, you're totally right. I think that'll help you narrow down your search. And yeah, for me, I love weird fiction, but a lot of weird fiction is very surreal and dreamy and the writing might be mm-hmm. a little confusing and that's not what I love about it. Mm-hmm. It's just not my thing uh what i love about weird fiction is weird situations that bring about weird results or make people weird and sometimes there's not even any like genre-y stuff that's happening like one of my favorite writers uh is barry gifford and he wrote the sailor and lula series which my cats are named after Mm -hmm. and the movie wild at heart that by david lynch is is based off of um but nothing supernatural happens in his books at all but it's always just like it's like why if you've seen wild at heart by david lynch you know it's just like 
people that are very strange, like doing situation, like in situations that are very offbeat and like bring about weird results. And like, that's what I love. So I know that I'm looking for plot weirdness, not language weirdness. And it makes a weird fiction book easier for me to spot. Like, so if I'm reading the back of a book, I just know like, oh, if it's like, uh, I I can just tell by the description what's going on. Yeah, I, it is, it's super helpful. And like, same, like, so, you know, if it's on a spaceship and there's nothing special about the spaceship, I'm less interested. Like I want, I want there to be the diseased mice from the worldwide plague I referred to (laughs) earlier on the spaceship and they're running that spaceship. I want it to feel like ordinary, but isn't, um, which is the thing. I am always looking for. Um, But then I also was thinking about these reading pathways and um, there's definitely books that I'm like, I don't know what the setting is of that book. Like Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that book, Middle Game, which I really loved and I couldn't remember, but I know it was about relationships. I could, I mean, it's set in some specific towns, but I couldn't tell you where they were, but it was the relationships that drew me in. So while, you know, setting is important to me, it's not always the thing that's going to define a book for me. Yes. You know? And I think that's our, our hot book tip for this episode is to whatever your get specific in your specific book recommendation. Mm-hmm, Look mm-hmm. for the that thing, whether it's the language or the character or whatever. And so do Google that. Like I don't Google, you know, weird fiction book lists. Right. You know, I look for um, like weird situation, like weird plots, weird characters, that mm-hmm. that's sort of my thing. Because if you get, I'm sure people know if you just Google, like you said, if you Google space books, you're going to, you're not necessarily going to get what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think this is, this is going to be, it's going to be a problem if you think you just like space books. So I yeah. was, I did this podcast this last week and was talking about books with the guy doing the podcast, and he was like, well, what do you do when you get to the halfway point? And he's like, I know you feel this, where you get to the halfway point, and you just don't want to push through because you just are bored with the book. And I'm like, you're reading the wrong books. I was like, yeah. you won't, you, I was like, yes, at some point you're like, oh, I'm only halfway done with this book, and I have so many books to read. Maybe that is a, a something people feel, but I don't, I was like, you're just, you're reading the wrong books. And he's yes. like, he admitted that he mostly reads these classics. And I was like, Dump that those just might books. not be the book that you want, you know? like I Give think him a Tom Clancy book. <laughs> Have you read the latest Jack Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Get in there. So you can send your thoughts on specific book recommendations to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we do some book tech follow-up, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Yeah, and what's your deal? <laughs> I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. Now it's time to look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. This week, it's some book tech follow-up. And remember when we reviewed Beanstack and told them to call us? Well, they fucking did. They actually called us. They didn't call us. They, they emailed us. Email us. And it was really yeah, funny because the subject line of the email was like, Beanstack, call us. And at first I got worried. I was like, are they mad that we talked about the... <laughs> 
but they were super nice and so nice and they were really excited and so we've partnered with them to put the 2020 reading glasses challenge in there and side note i just want everyone to know we're not getting any money from this we just thought it would be cool and fun for our listeners we are we're not benefiting from this in any way no no but it is very cool and we're so excited they did it because our main thing was we were like we want more challenges and we want to be able to put our challenge on there and then they were like okay which is (laughs) awesome like we were like oh you just solved all the problem we love it now yeah I mean, we liked it before but it, it, it's really cool so to if you didn't listen to that other episode beanstack is a reading challenge app and our like you said our only issue with it was that you couldn't put we couldn't put our reading classes challenge in yeah. there and now that isn't in there what do we think about it uh i think i love it <laughs> it's so I'm obsessed cool. with it. it's amazing i want to have its baby uh <laughs> this is like it's this is the best way to keep up with your reading glasses challenge. yeah it's amazing it's amazing i was already able to check off three boxes you check them off you feel a great sense of accomplishment you get little badges I they know. have them they have like little Ooh, um icons for each i'm gonna of the check one off i forgot to do one yesterday i'm gonna check it off right now yeah you have little icons like and then it's so adorable um it's super fun it's super cute i love checking boxes i love getting badges I love feeling like a hero. Uh, it's it's very cool. You can download it on your phone or you can do it on your desktop as well. Like you can just log in to their website. Um, I thought it was great. I think it's great. What what do you think now, Mallory? I have just checked off because I finished The Fisherman by Chagose Obioma. Oh, good I have the book set in another country. So I have checked off that part. The, the book set in another country. Boom. Great. Uh, this is, first off, so fucking cute. Uh, I love all the little icons they made for each challenge. And they, they like, when they sent them to us to approve of them, we were, me and Bria were just freaking out because they're just so adorable. For each challenge, they have, like, a little drawing. It's so cute. And when you complete them, like, so when you start the whole challenge, it's all in black and white. But when you complete them all, they become colorized. So adorable. Uh, I really, I also really like how Beanstack takes all the individual items you have to complete for each challenge that you're signed up for and puts them in one list. Yeah, that's nice. So if you're a part of multiple challenges, you don't have to go in each one. You just have it all sort of together and you can go and check them off there. Uh, I think, again, I think it's the best way to keep, tra- if you're doing the Greeting Glasses 2020 challenge, it's the best way to keep track of it. I mean, unless you're doing it in a little notebook or you print it out. Uh, which I know a lot of people do, or you're making put something in your bullet journal or whatever. But just to have it on your phone, uh, it is it's perfect. It's I'm doing it. I love it. Uh, well, we I posted on all our social media um, uh, a tutorial on how to do it. You just literally just download Beanstack, and in the challenge, the mm-hmm. list of challenges is the reading glasses challenge. You'll be able to spot it because it has our logo. There's all sorts of little cute icons. I just have to point out one, which is that. The the one the one that is read a novel with a non human protagonist has a little ghost with glasses on. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is our this is our Patronus. It is so funny. The ghost with glasses. Also, the read a romance novel has two little birds with a little heart over them. So, it's cute. so cute. It's really cute. They did a really great job of um coming up with really cute things in there. I, yeah, I love it. And they have their own little hashtag. So you and they are encouraging people to so. If you are downloading this, tag Zubin Reads and Reading Glasses or Reading G Podcast on Twitter um, or on Instagram. I don't actually, I don't think they're on Instagram, but if you're on Twitter and you're doing this, tag us both in it. They're trying to get a lot of social media um, uh, participation. It's really fun. I'm just stoked about this. Yeah. That's the power of podcasting. No joke. I also would like a, a lot of money. <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> Melvin goes home and there's like a pile of of like of just a pile of Scrooge McDuck money on your <sighs> front porch. Although then I would be worried it was one of those cursed things like the money came from. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. 
like an orphanage like a, it's a or something. Situation like you win the lottery, but then someone in your family dies or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe I don't want that. Okay. But I am very happy about Beanstack. Yes. So five out of five pages for the Beanstack Reading Glasses Challenge. <laughs> very easy to use. Very cute. Uh, and if you have ideas for book tech that you want us to test out, you can send them to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. Let's solve the bookish problem from one of our listeners. Tom writes in. For e-readers, I like correcting things. Have, <laughs> having the option to highlight a typo and sending it to customer service feels like I'm helping the next reader have a better experience, even though I never check to see if the changes are actually made. Do you know how these small typos end up in the ebook after being read so many times by the authors and editors? Is it a formatting problem when the book moves from the print version to the digital version? Bria, what do you think about Tom's question? So I I went on the internet and did a little bit of sleuthing. Um People do complain, especially in early ebooks, that they were formatting and uh, uh, typos. There were more formatting mm-hmm. and typo issues. Um, in the last few years, it's been less of a problem. They also, there's been a big movement um, when there are a lot. Amazon actually started flagging them to be like, and, and this is mostly self published books. I think it's specifically for self self published books uh, that there's so many typos. And these are the ones where people are like, I'm going to get rich. Here's how you get rich quick, like selling kayaks on the side. Like, you know, like these kind of books where you're like, why is this a book? Um, and Amazon flags them now and they're like, hey, this has been, when you open it up, this has a lot of typos in it. Like they just like let you know. Um, wow. So that's, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, Tom, apparently you can highlight it, send it to Amazon and they send it to the publisher and they let the publisher know. Wow. Uh, which is, I, it was, I had trouble verifying that completely, but that is what... Kind of they That's say, what they say they act like they do. Yeah. Okay. Um, and a side note, Hugh Howie actually did a whole post about um, how to fix a problem in your own ebook. If you have published an ebook and then you go, this is like a self-published thing. You go and you look at your ebook and you're like, oh no, I have a problem. He actually showed you how to fix it on your uh, Amazon ebooks, which is great, even after it's uploaded. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, very helpful, I'm sure, you know, to to the publisher. And it's great that you're doing it. It isn't always going to get changed because obviously they're not, they, you would have to have it changed and then re-download that book. That's just like the way yeah. it works. Um, like different versions. And they may not release a whole new version just because there's one typo on one page. It's just like not going to happen. Uh, but I do think it's a helpful thing to do. Mallory, you've been on the other end of this as a writer. Sure what, what do you What do you think? Uh, well, first off, I do want to tell people, uh, and my friend Chuck Wendig was talking about this online a long time ago, um, sending typos to the author is the least helpful thing that you could do because mm. the author is the person who is not in a position to do anything about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so you can do send them to customer service uh, if you find a typo in a print book uh, or or in an ebook. If you're not, if like say you're a Nook reader or you don't use Amazon, just send it to the publisher. That's the person who can fix it. The author can do jack shit. Mm-hmm. Um, this just they they are not in the position to fix it. Um, uh, typos end up there because books are made by people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, surprise. Uh, they're made. There have by- been some made by computers. Oh yeah, those like weird. AIs. You know these ones where it's yes. like, where, and it like makes no sense. Yes, and like there's some scripts written by some AIs that are very, very funny. funny. Yes, yeah. uh, but they're made by people. Even after a book is read many, many times by the author, the editor, the agent, the copy editor, the publicist, and the page proofer, typos can still end up there because people are humans. It's just a thing. You know, there's all people make mistakes in everything that they do. Uh, every once in a while, there is a formatting issue. And I remember very briefly before my book came out. Um, 
there was a weird extra period on, in my author's note mm-hmm. uh, in the ebook that no one knew how it got there. And then we were really afraid that it was in the print book as well. And then it wasn't. Yeah. I think it's that it's just like it's some you have to digitize it, but you don't digitize it by scanning each page. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like it's like not an exact copy. It's a copy of the of whatever file you had. Yeah, right? it was like, so, it, you know, someone had accidentally pressed a, pressed the period button, uh, but we got it out of there. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a thing that happens. Uh, I wouldn't get too upset about it. It's kind of like that game Telephone. Yeah. You know, where like in Telephone, like you, you say the words to somebody and then they have to say it to the next person. And here's the thing, every time you redo something, it's going to be a little diluted from what... Yeah, and, and and that's fine. Uh, I remember there was one. There's one typo in my book. It was somebody's name that I, I I wrote it right. My agent had it right. My editor had it right. The copy editor had it right. And then the page something somebody changed it, and then I didn't notice it in the last pass. And then ah. it went to print because it was someone's name, and there was some someone's name in my acknowledgments ah. that got. It was like, uh, it was a Spanish name that it got like, yeah. it just fucking happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, people people are, uh, it turns out we're not gods. Yet. We're not all knowing. But I do think, Tom, you're doing your, your job as a book citizen. Yeah. Tom, I think there might be a future for you in... Page, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Copywriting. I don't know why Tom isn't a professional proofer. And yeah, be a proofer if you find so many. Get- I'm going to say this right now. I don't know if I've ever found a mistake in an ebook, which shows you how much I'm not paying attention. <laughs> Tom, Tom has a future in publishing. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks and stickers in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and want to help us for free, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.